0: Let's stand in body or spirit as we listen for the good news. This is from the Gospel, Book of John 15, uh, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be, be, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love, love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Do not call you servants any longer. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Word of the Lord.
1: Will you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, open our ears to hear what you would say to us this day, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Now, if this is sounding familiar to you, we heard this same phrase, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, just a few short weeks ago on Maundy Thursday, when we remembered Jesus and the disciples at the Last Supper, when we remember Jesus washing the disciples' feet, when we remembered that the the term Maundy Thursday comes from the word mandare, mandate, mandate, commandment. This is a new commandment I give you, said Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now we're in the church season of Easter, the weeks between Easter Sunday and Pentecost, during which time we kind of accompany Jesus as he appears in various settings and with various people after his resurrection. And you may know that we follow what's known as the lectionary in uh, using the, in the scripture passages that we use each Sunday. It's a prescribed... Um, series of readings over three years, that are, as, with a different one assigned for each Sunday, and so as I looked at this reading for this Sunday, I found myself a little bit puzzled, because this section actually comes from what's known in the Gospel of John as the Farewell Discourse. There are four chapters that cover the evening uh, before Jesus was crucified, the evening of the Last Supper, Uh, the washing of the disciples' feet, um, a number of Jesus' teachings and sayings to them, and then his prayer in chapter 17 for the disciples and by extension for us. So I thought, well, this is a little bit odd to be using um, a text from the night before Jesus died during the season of Easter. But then I remembered that next Sunday, a week from today, is Ascension Sunday, the final Sunday before the Sunday of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. So Jesus is actually about to leave again. After finishing his resurrection appearances, he's going to be ascending in, uh, before the disciples' eyes to heaven. So I actually like to think of these Uh, verses as one final reminder from Jesus of what he really cares about and what's really important to him and, by extension, to us as his followers. The word love appears nine times in these brief eight verses, and even more than that if you count bear fruit, which some understand as meaning do acts of love. And if you count friend, which means those who are loved. But the word love can mean many things. Jesus can't just say love one another and leave it at that. He needs to flesh out what he means. So he adds five words that make it perfectly clear. As I have loved you. What does it mean to love as Jesus loved? I asked some in our congregation this week, some groups that I was meeting with during the week, what it meant to them. And here, were some, here are some of their responses. To love like Jesus loves means loving everybody, undeniably. Jesus didn't exclude anyone. Loving like Jesus means especially loving the children. We think of that passage where the disciples are trying to prevent people, probably mothers, from bringing their children to Jesus. And Jesus says, no way, guys. I want the children to come to me. I want to bless them. I want to hold them. Loving like Jesus means loving those who are unloving. Unloving and unlovable we think of zacchaeus the tax collector whom nobody would even let through the crowd so he could see jesus he was hated he was a tax collector and jesus said zacchaeus i am coming to your house today and it changed zacchaeus's life forever he loved prostitutes he loved the outcast the marginalized the unclean Sinners. To love like Jesus means to love those who don't love you back. It means to love the people nobody else likes, let alone loves. It means to love your enemies. It means to love your neighbor as yourself. And it means love is not a choice, it's a command jesus demonstrates there are many ways to love healing teaching touching praying feeding and including just to name a few but today i want to focus on one particular form of love it's simple but it is profound and it is not easy it is listening. In the Gospels, Jesus speaks about listening more than 50 times. In writing about Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, so she was a Samaritan, she was despised, she was a woman, she was despised, she was of ill repute, She was despised. She couldn't come to the well early in the morning with the others. In encountering her, the author and follower of Jesus, Anne Lamott, puts it so beautifully. Jesus offered himself as a loving listener. I love that phrase, a loving listener. I love (laughs) that phrase. How many here are familiar with StoryCorps? Ever heard of StoryCorps? Okay, a couple of you. Anyone ever participated in a StoryCorps interview? No. Let me tell you a little bit about StoryCorps. StoryCorps was founded in 2003 and is a nationwide oral history project. There's a permanent booth in Grand Central Terminal in New York City and I believe also in Atlanta and they also have traveling booths. So people can sign up for a 40-minute session in pairs and you um, are invited to, into this, this quiet booth with low lighting and microphones and you're given 40 minutes to interview someone, to, um, to honor someone, by asking them about their life story and listening to them as they share it. Over 100,000, well over 100,000 people have participated in this project and at the end of the 40-minute session, they get a CD to take home with them and a second CD is archived in the Library of Congress. So years and years and years from now, families can um, hear the voices of their ancestors that maybe they never knew. They can hear stories of their family that maybe they never knew. StoryCorps has gathered these these interviews, some of these interviews, into printed volumes. And the very first one that they published, the title just resonated so deeply with me. The title is Listening is an Act of Love. I heard that and I said, yes, yes, they get it. Dave Isay, the founder of StoryCorps, founder and president, has some really profound things to say about listening. Listening to someone tells them that they matter. Listening to someone is a way of saying you love them. Listening spaces whether it be the StoryCorps booth, or a table in a diner, or wherever it may be, are holy spaces, sacred spaces, holy ground. Listening is one of the most valuable gifts you can give to another person, and is an act of generosity. The experience of being listened to can be transformative in people's lives. Listening takes courage and commitment, but is something we rarely, if ever, regret. Now, just to be clear, listening, real listening, is so much more than just being quiet or not talking while someone else is speaking. When I lead training sessions with our congregational care ministers, we talk about listening as a ministry of presence. We talk about how listening is both a gift, because I do believe that some people are gifted by God to be better listeners than others. But listening is also a skill, because it can be developed, it can be practiced, And with guidance and practice and reflection, one can get better at listening. We talk about how listening is easy because you don't need to say or do anything. And you don't need to solve a problem that the person may be sharing with you. You are just being there with them and caring. But we also talk about how listening is hard Because you don't need to say or do anything. And you don't need to solve a problem, which we um, as human beings really, really want to do. You are intentionally being present with the person that you are listening to. It requires focused concentration and attention. It requires what's called bracketing, or setting aside one's own uh, extraneous thoughts or thinking about what you're going to say next in response to what you're hearing. And it requires a certain level of comfort with silence. I came across a great quote the other day about silence which said, only say something if you think you can improve on the silence. I thought that was good wisdom. There are also obstacles to listening. Two of the most significant, most prevalent, are, like, as I just mentioned, thinking about what you are going to say next, feeling like you have to be ready with a comeback, with a response, with a reply. If you're thinking about that, you are not fully listening to what the other person is saying. And making judgments is a great way to cut off a conversation and to keep you from fully and lovingly listening to someone. In this passage, Jesus talks about laying down one's life for one's friends. <clears throat> and we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Jeff gave the example of the village that isolated. Um, isolated themselves so that they wouldn't spread the plague uh, to others. So that's a, there's, there's the literal laying down of one's life. But I also believe that listening can also be a way of laying down one's life. There are, actually, I think there are many ways we can lay down our lives. And listening, because as I said, it does require setting aside your own thoughts or maybe something that you would rather be doing in that moment. So you're, you're putting yourself second. You're putting yourself um, after the person that you're listening to. So I do think of it as uh, a form of laying down one's life and I like to think that Jesus was including things like that when he said greater love has no one than this to, for a friend to lay down one's life for a friend. Neuroscience also teaches us something profound about listening. When a person is sharing something difficult with someone that they know is really listening to them, really cares, really uh, empathizes with them, their brain chemistry, their brain circuitry changes. Our bodies were made to respond. And, and I, I shared this with someone in our congregation and she put it so beautifully when I was saying that our bodies are made to respond, and she said, to love. I said, yes, that's right. Our God made our bodies in such a way that they respond to love through listening. This week, Family Promise was here and yes, it's important that we provided a place to sleep, a place of welcome, food to eat, but equally important were the relationships, the friendships, the listening to their stories as part of our Family Promise ministry. I went to Haddonfield United Methodist Church this week when the taze brothers, uh, Emil and John, were there speaking and leading a Taizé prayer service. And they had a wonderful quote from the recent uh, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, I believe is his name. A A question was asked about young people. What do young people need? And his response was, sometimes we say that a person needs a good talking to, but what they really need is a good listening to. And I was reminded how um, the community of Teze, which started with one person in 1940 and has grown to tens of thousands of young people coming there each summer, has uh, prioritized listening in their ministry. So who in your life do you need to offer yourself to as a loving listener? Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, another family member, a child, youth or adult in our congregation, a visitor or new person in our congregation, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, Who is coming to mind in this very moment as you hear me say that? Consider that perhaps a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Or perhaps the Holy Spirit will open a door and make a way for you to offer yourself as a loving listener to a stranger, someone on the train, in the grocery store, Or perhaps someone with no one else to listen to them. An inmate. Or someone from another land who has lost everything and is starting a new life here. The possibilities of loving through listening range far and wide. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I am giving you these commands, so that you may love one another. Amen.